Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is the Bill Press Show. Hello, everybody. Yes, indeed, it is the Bill Press Show. Thank you for tuning in and uh, checking out the program. Whether you are watching video on Patreon, patreon.com slash show, or whether you are listening to the podcast, which remember, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just look for the Bill Press Show uh, anywhere that you get your podcast. Now, during the week, we talk a lot about the politics of the day because, as we've mentioned many, many times, we live in hell. Uh, but we like to sort of break things up a little bit and talk about things that we actually care about and also are still fairly political, like food. Food is political, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more. I have to say, uh, we've had these two gentlemen in before, Nevin Martell, and, uh, who's a food writer here in D.C., and you've read his work, I'm sure, and you write about parenting issues. You write about a lot of different things. Food, parenting, travel, sometimes all yeah. three at the same time. You're all over the place. Uh, and Al Goldberg, who runs Mess Hall here in D.C., tell, tell us a little bit about what Mess Hall is. Mess Hall is a food incubator, so we are home to approximately 40 different companies that uh, run their f- small businesses out of, uh, out of our kitchen facility, and uh, that's kind of one pillar of what we do, and then the other is uh, is events. So we kind of tie it all together to help bolster our local food economy. You guys are here promoting uh, an event that's going to be happening here in Washington, D.C. Uh, coming up here very soon, Sunday, June 3rd, right here in town at Mess Hall, the NKOTB. Not New Kids on the Block, that's New Kitchens on the Block. I'm of a certain generation I know. where I I'm know still you. hanging tough, baby. Dude, you still have a Joey McIntyre uh, poster up in your closet, <laughs> totally. don't you? <laughs> totally. Yeah, totally. Uh, and what you guys do at these New Kitchens on the Block is you bring in uh, chefs and restaurateurs and uh, food people mm-hmm. who are starting up a new operation, and before their place opens up, you get a sample, you get to check it out before it actually becomes public, which is very, very, very cool. Thank you. And we've had you guys on to talk about it before, and you're doing another one. Yeah, our fourth one. It's hard to believe, but over the last couple of years, we've now got to the fourth one. And like you said, it's a chance for people to exclusively try new restaurants before they open. This time we have 11, and it's exciting because there's not really ever an opportunity to do that. People may do pop-ups or there might be dinners for investors, but there's never an opportunity to get together and eat your face off with 11 new restaurants that haven't opened yet. Everybody does a signature dish. Everybody does a signature drink. Uh, it's a really cool opportunity. And I mean, it's not just for, you know, it attracts a lot of people in the industry, and it also just attracts a lot of people that are just diehard food fans that want to eat their face off for two hours. And joining us in studio is one of those restaurateurs who has a restaurant uh, opening up here in Washington, D.C. a little bit later on this year. Christian uh, is going to be opening up Amparo, Amparo Fondita, right? That's the one. All right. So tell us a little bit about what your restaurant is going to be. Um, well, Amparo uh, comes from two places. Uh, the first one is um, my need to share my story. Um, I'm a Mexican-born, uh, raised in Texas, and been in D.C. for better part of 20 years now. Um, and 
trying to sort of disrupt the notion that Mexican food is completely made up of the same 20 things that we see on every Mexican menu across the country. Um, In Mexico, we don't just eat tacos and tamales. We do. We do eat a lot of What? <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> and those tacos do not come in Dorito shells, right? They do not come <laughs> in Dorito yes. shells. Well, yes. What, uh, what heavily salted snack do you use as a taco <laughs> shell? Is <laughs> it Doritos or Fritos or what is it? Yeah, it's Tocitos. Yeah. yeah, right, right. Um, no, I, I think that's a very, very good point. And especially here in D.C., I think D.C. has the Mexican food that we know – air quotes, Mexican food that we know in D.C. is really just like Tex-Mex, right? And there are a couple of Tex-Mex places here in town that, um, deliver, that, that, that do that, but like real Mexican food is not something that I think a lot of people are familiar with. Yeah, it's, it's hard to come by. Um, it's, I, I feel it's a little bit kind of like the Japanese restaurants in, in the area that are mostly Korean-owned. Mm-hmm. And then for Mexican spots, especially on the more mom-and-pop shop, tend to be Salvadorian-owned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as uh, as far as I as far as my opinion goes, which is neither here nor there, um, for the mom and pop shops, there's Habanero in Columbia Heights that does really really great food, mm-hmm. super solid food, great food. Um, as far as a more elevated experience, there's OML, which is near and dear to my heart, where I cut my teeth and all things masa and everything that stems from that. Um, the guys at Espita are giving it a run as well um, for an elevated presentation. But aside from that, in the entire D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, it's almost not represented. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, considering how diverse D.C. is and the and the the, the people that live here, that that is pretty shocking. Um, so you brought in some food, which I'm very excited about because uh, you know you didn't eat breakfast. I didn't eat breakfast. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't eat. I didn't eat breakfast. <clears throat> that's a lie. I ate breakfast, but I will also eat another breakfast. You're such a champ, Peter. Yeah. For the people. For the people. <laughs> because they care. Yeah. Uh, what did you bring in for us, Christian? Um, we have a little bit of a tostada with tinga verde here. Uh, we did a tostada pop-up not that long ago at a pop-up space in Brooklyn called District Space. And um, we did all tostadas all the time for three days straight. Um, this was one of our big For the record, hits. tostadas, very fun to eat. Very yes. fun to eat. Very fun to eat. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great way to use your day-old tortillas. Sure. Mm-hmm. Toast them up in the oven, let them dry out a little bit, um, and then just top them with whatever you've got. And here it's uh, it's a tinga verde. It's a green tinga. Generally speaking, we always see a red tinga, which is tomato, roasted tomatoes uh, and chipotle. But with this, we did roasted tomatillos and um, fresh jalapenos and serranos. Um, it's a chicken yeah. stewed in, and then it's the, the garnish on top. It's basically all of the elements that are stewed in, but fresh. So you have serranos, you mm-hmm. have... Um, tomatillos, uh, cilantro, onion, and then a little bit of avocado on the, on the bottom. It looks delicious. I'm going to jump in. You guys get, get some of this. I don't get in. Um, I, I do want to uh, like, insist. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do insist. <laughs> um, uh, while, while I'm eating, I do want to ask you guys a little bit about um, the new kitchens on the block. Because like I mentioned, we have had you in before. Talk a little bit about some of the success stories that you've seen from these events. Because I remember... Uh, the very first time that we had you in to talk about this, you were working or you had a, 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 a restaurant in there called Colada Shop. Yes. Uh, which yeah. is now sort of a force of nature here in D.C. They They're a big, big deal. They've got a couple locations. They're opening up another one. They're, I would say, are probably the biggest breakout hit from the very first one that we did, though. Kaliwa by Kahal Armstrong just opened up down on the wharf and seems to be booming. Addie's by Jeff Black reopened out in Maryland, and that seems to be doing well. 
Um, but it has been amazing. You know, the more and more that we've done, we've gotten better and better at you know picking people that are much closer to their openings and are and are you know just on the right track. And I'm di- by know, the way, I'm digging into this tostada dude, while you talk. Go to town, Forgive Julie me. Brown. Forgive me. Um, but for example, at the last one, you know, Al and I were just talking that you know most of them have already opened. You know, we had brothers and sisters and spoken English from Eric Bernie Yang, which have opened up right in the, the line, line hotel, hotel yeah. and we had. Um, Maidon, which has opened up to much acclaim. We had, you know. Shout out to the Maidon boys. Oh, my God. They're Such a shout it. out. They just got some big recognition by Food and Wine, top of the list of uh, best new restaurants. Yeah. yeah. That was really nice to see. That restaurant is bonkers. Yeah. I love it. It's, it's so good. good. And the food is so good. So good. And, and so great, different. Yeah. Great experience. By know. the way, I have to interrupt. This is delicious. This <laughs> is not, so good. Me... <laughs> Talk about the breakfast of champions. Uh. Yo, this is where it's at. Y'all get some. All right. Um, but yeah, man, it's been really wonderful to watch. Like we feel like, you know, we're a little part in that experience. I know it's really helpful for restaurants to get in front of all the food press that comes to the event, yeah. all of the really diehard food fans in DC that come, all the industry people that, you know, are there to, you know, offer them help, advice, services, whatever it may be. That's so cool. It's um we really kind of feel like it's like a little micro community within the larger restaurant community and um you know, I think we just, it's like one of those things that I can honestly say it's a win, win, win for everybody involved. Like everybody walks away, I think, really happy, really satiated. And in the case of the restaurants and the chefs and the restaurateurs, like it's a, it's a really nice way to kick off your restaurant opening. And it's uh, really helpful in a lot of different ways. I just got that jalapeno. Delicious. Yeah. Like, so good, man. Those are so good. I want to talk to you guys about. <clears throat> Because Al, you know, Mess Hall is normally a, a restaurant incubator, and Nevin, you cover restaurants a lot, and and Christian, you're in the process of, of starting your own restaurant. Yep. Um, let's talk a little bit about how you build a restaurant, like how you get that set up. Which uh, you know, we were talking off air about, you know, I think more and more people give a shit now more about like where their food comes from and how people uh, uh, operate their restaurants, but like. It's a real slog to get a restaurant opened. Yeah. How yeah. long have you been working on yours at this point? Um, conceptualizing, probably about five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, materializing, probably about two years. Wow. And as we get closer, things seem to slow down more and more. Mm-hmm. So ne- once you start actually trying to make things tangible, every step seems to take weeks and weeks and weeks. Oh, <laughs> so I know you, it's frustrating. <laughs> you get these rushes, these like crazy highs of like, oh my God, we've accomplished something. We're going to get the ball rolling. And then, you know, four weeks of radio silence. Yeah. They're just The lows are just so crushing. The yeah. highs are exhilarating. So what is it that, that, that does that? Is it just like sort of the bureaucracy of it? Is it a hiring thing? Is it a planning thing? I think it's a combination of all of those things. Sure. You have to hire so many people. You're starting to meet new people. You're starting to do business with a ton of people. Um, everyone's got recommendations, right? You got to work with so-and-so, you got to work with so-and-so. And And then all of a sudden you're, you have 10 and you have to like research and it's like, what's going to work for me? Um, what's going to be the best relationship? Am I going to be able to work with this guy like six hours a day, every day, like even on a personal level, let alone on a professional level. Um, you hear all kinds of horror stories of like, oh yeah, we hired this guy and he was our GM and he was awesome and then he took us for 45K and it's just like, what? Oh, <laughs> oh my God. You're always dealing with big numbers, right? Yeah. I mean, you're talking about contractors, you're talking about um, 
um, investors that have high expectations. There's things that just go woefully wrong along the process. Um, something happens with one of the contractors or they go bankrupt or they hire a sub that just really puts you in a bad place. And every it's, it's very much two steps forward, one step back, don't you feel? Yeah. And a lot of these things are not necessarily, like I can cook all day long. But if you told me like what kind of fixtures do we need and all that, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right, right. I could right. I could say that looks good, but then you know like, is a month later are we gonna have to change it? Is the city gonna come and say that it's it's a no go? Yeah. Like, so you constantly have to like keep studying and hoping, you know, kind of like finger in the wind. Is this <laughs> is this where we're going? You, you don't need to learn be... by doing it right, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, no. You have to be a jack of all trades and kind of learn a lot of different skill sets, but also then know who you trust to like delegate and yeah. take, you know. I used to have an uncle who said, like, hey, when I retire, I want to run a restaurant. I just hang out a little, eat a little, drink a little. And it's like, no. It's, you have no clue. It's, that's uh, yeah, exactly. That's like one no of the most clue. stressful things you could possibly right. do, man. Yeah, like, like you don't eating, want that. Stress yeah. drinking. Yeah. Uh, they're definitely not sleeping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah ex- exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about the event uh, uh, itself. So it's coming up on June 3rd. If people want to get tickets, they check it out where? nkotb4.eventbrite.com Perfect. NK, we'll tweet out a link and we'll, and we'll definitely have it in the podcast as well. nkotb4, the number four, uh, dot eventbrite.com So what are some of the things that we'll be able to try this year if we're uh, lucky enough to go? Yeah, no, we've got an awesome lineup. Besides uh, these amazing tostadas. These are really incredible. Really They're good. so good, awesome. man. Thank Not you. saying that just because you're sitting there. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's be clear. Know, no, no. <laughs> Somebody asked me the other day, it was like, what can a chef tell you that would make you like their food more? And I was like, literally, no one can tell me anything to make me like or dislike their food more or less. Because if I don't like it, you can't tell me anything about where the food came from or who made it or anything. It's right. so visceral. I don't understand people who can be won over by like, oh, well, you know, I don't think it's that great. But then I sat down with the chef and he's you know, such a nice <laughs> he guy. He explained to me <laughs> yeah. where I was wrong. Yeah. And yeah, I was like, right. no, nah, that, that's just not how it works for me. Right. Um, so, again, we have 11 concepts this time. We've got Call Your Mother, which is a Jew-ish deli, which is going to specialize in bagels and do some ice cream as well. That's going to be there. We have the Imperial, which is... Give me bagels and ice cream. That's all I need, bagels together. and ice cream. Maybe together. Two great tastes that taste great together. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, we've got the Imperial, which is the new bar from uh, the Jack Rose. Oh, cool. Uh, we've got Mama Chang, which is uh, Peter Chang's new restaurant, which is kind of an homage to his mother's cooking. And if you've been to any of Peter's restaurants, like he has a fair number of dishes that are already kind of inspired by his mother, and they're usually the best ones on the menu, so that should be pretty special. Uh, we've got Schilling Canning Company, which is a, a vet of the Dabney by the name of Reed Schilling uh, that's opening down um, near the ballpark, which should be great, kind of mid-Atlantic uh, local seasonal cooking. Um, Amparo, of course, we've got Agni, which you may have been following, the Washington Business Journal, great new Indian concept. Speaking of which, there's also Pape, I hope I pronounced that right, which is another Indian concept, which is opening up here in Columbia Heights. we got Cielo Rojo, which is uh, Taqueria opening up in Tacoma Park. So if you ever get up to Kia Pique Way, uh, we've got Three Blacksmiths from the guy who used to run uh, and own Foster Harris House in Little Washington, Virginia. Oh, wow. It's going to be a small kind of chef counter place, but like way out in the wilds of Virginia, kind of really focused on local seasonal. Uh, and then Chop Shop Taco from Ed, who used to do Tortilladora, and Bandula Bowl, which is a fast casual concept from the people who own Mandalay, which uh, it is sounds great, Silver Spring. Man. So it's like a real <clears throat> diverse spread. You know, a, from- lot of, <clears throat> a lot of people haven't heard of any of these, maybe one or right. two, right? But... Um, 
now when you look back and you see some of the people that uh, that have opened like smoked and stacked um, right over right. here by the convention center by Marjorie um, people it's it's kind of cool for the event goers who have been attending and kind yeah. of following along with the NKOTB series saying oh I tried that place I tried that place I tried that place and um, and when it's you know, then it soon becomes a the hottest place in town because um, I think um, largely, and having to your credit, you know, yeah. we're identifying some of the hottest soon to open places, and uh, people like to be able to say that they had tried these before, yeah, know, before they were uh, an impossible reservation. No, and it's really such a compliment. We feel like when, like you know, the one I've heard recently because they were a couple times ago, both were Rasa and Unconventional Diner. You know, David and Rahul and uh, Sahil. Like you know, hearing like people say like, oh, I remember like when they we when we had them at NKOTB, and you're like. That's awesome. Like, yeah. you know, and it really translates to like we hear and see a lot of tags on social, you know, people saying like we were at the event. We love this place. And now that it's open, we can't wait to go there. So, you know, that makes us feel good because we feel like that's, again, delivering for the restaurants like another something down the road when they're opening when they really need it. Uh, we, we talked a, <clears throat> a little bit about like some of the obstacles that restaurants face with opening. Once they do get open, Al, I noticed you're wearing a pen. Vote no on number 77. There, This is a, an issue here among the restaurant community in Washington, D.C. Can you tell us a little bit about what's going on? And take your time, because I'm going to eat another tostada. Oh, yeah, but uh, just explain that to us, <laughs> what's going on. Keep yeah. talking while we stop our faces. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So Vamp for me, Al. Vamp. i gotta, I got to eat. <laughs> I'll be on the soapbox. Uh, yeah, so 77 is, uh, is an initiative that's been put forth by um, an organization called Rock. Now, this is a ballot initiative, which means that um, it's not coming through the D.C. Council. Um, this has uh, garnered enough petition uh, signatures to arrive on the ballot. And what it does is, uh, you hear that crunch, by the way. Mm. So, yeah. I could have done that more on mic. <laughs> was that, <laughs> that was not a sound effect. Um, mm -hmm. uh, 77 basically intends to raise the minimum wage of tipped employees um, which sounds very attractive um, but it goes from 333 to uh, $15 um, By over the course of a few years um, why is the restaurant industry up in arms about this um, it's because what it really translates into is um, lower wages for um, our bartenders and for our servers they're very much opposed to it um, the restaurateurs of course are um, you know, are are running around um, feeling like their um, like their um, restaurants are in jeopardy, and not to sound like the sky is falling, but um, there's there are a lot of um, negative effects that could come from this um, happening. The reason that the bartenders and and wait staff are concerned about this is because of the chain effect that would happen. So when you raise the when you raise the um, the minimum wage to that extent. Um, it has other effects on the way that the business is run, which translates into less money for people that are in the kitchens, um, the staff, the chefs, the dishwashers, and the front of the house staff, which are our waiters and bar bartenders, um, will actually be making less because uh, as you play it forward, it means that there will be a service charge instead of a tipping uh, system that we have now. Um, so it's fairly complicated. I think we could probably... Um, Devil's advocate. Yeah, tell what us. Do you, what do you say to uh, people that say, but look, this has been done, what, in four or five other parts of the country. This guy didn't necessarily fall out. Why do you think it'll fall out here? What makes this a different situation? Well, I don't, I don't think that it's happened very successfully. You know, there's a lot of, uh, when we saw it happen in San Diego, you, know, you, got, a, you got a guy here uh, by the name of Ari Gadenson, and he has um, Aqua Aldui and 
Ari's Diner and uh, and Ghibellina on 14th Street. Many, many people have tried those. Um, he also had a restaurant in uh, in San Diego, and that literally was forced to shutter as a result of it. You see in San Diego a lot of um, restaurants that are uh, scrambling to move toward a um, uh, a fast casual concept mm-hmm. because they're eliminating positions in the in the um, in the service uh, in the front of the house service. Uh, areas and it just becomes very very difficult because many people don't know that the restaurant industry is on operates on razor thin margins. Yeah, so that's but, a huge swing. Yeah, but what you're saying is more people in San Diego just to get get the, like robot created bowls. And I, I don't see what's so bad. About that. Like, <laughs> yeah, I like robot I created bowls. I saw a YouTube video of yeah. that. Yeah. All automation, right? Yeah. <clears throat> well, so that that actually tees me up to where I want to go with my last question. This is something I want to ask all, all of you. Um, <clears throat> Food is political. Absolutely. Like it or not, food is political, right? Um, whether you're serving, uh, you know, Mexican, authentic Mexican food in a time that we have a president that is trying to pick a, a essentially a war with Mexico and Mexican immigrants, or immigrants around the world, um, or whether we're talking about how we tip uh, employees, um, food is political. And I think that, that that was really driven home last year with what Jose Andres took on mm-hmm. uh, in, Puerto we, in Puerto Rico and that we as a country turned our back on Puerto Rico and we still have and we still have we 22,000 people still yeah, without power still yeah still a thing yeah uh, and Jose Andres showed that food is political you can go down there and you can make a difference and you can and and he took that on himself mm-hmm. so like when we talk about food and we talk about food policy and we talk about food politics it's really important to remember that food is absolutely political mm-hmm. whether it's what we eat how we eat it uh, how it's served to us the operations of the places that we're eating in it so like it, I, I just sort of wanted to put that out there and sort of like it's more political now than ever, right? Yeah. I mean, how do you feel as a chef that's like opening up a Mexican concept in DC in these political times? Like, do you feel like there's a statement at all to what you do or will you make any kind of overt statement? Um, I mean, I don't know that as I open, um, I'm, I'm trying to make a political statement. I think there's a lot to come that comes with it. Um, I know one of the biggest things that we're trying to do with Amparo is to create a platform to really help the Latin American community. Right before starting on materializing this concept, I spent uh, close to a year and a half, close to two years, um, helping uh, build a foundation for a nonprofit in Arlington, very similar to DC Central Kitchen, nice. called La Cocina mm-hmm. VA. Oh, um, they're great. Yeah, yeah. Patty's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I helped them set up their culinary program, and it was a very circular um, program where we worked with food banks and restaurants and basically took food that would have otherwise been trash, used that to teach people how to cook, and then all the food that we taught them how to cook with we would turn into about 100 meals that would get pushed out to different communities That's for people great, in need. Um, so what we're trying to do is um, really not just encourage people to come and work but try to help them develop careers by bridging that gap and really working with people. I mean, in every kitchen that I've worked in in D.C., 90% of the people I work with are Salvadorian, Guatemalan, Mexican, um, and you name it, from all over in Latin America. Um, not just in Mexican restaurants. Not just like, in Mexican literally restaurants. Literally every restaurant. <laughs> yeah. 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 And um, 
and there's there's that big language barrier between chefs and and cooks, mm-hmm. and it's it, it basically lends itself for the chef to just be like, okay, I need you to do this, and try to explain that to them, and then they end up like killing it there. So yeah. the the ability to grow um, as and develop as a cook mm-hmm. it becomes almost impossible unless you have someone that is able to communicate with you. So what we want to try to do is, as we hire, is sort of set the expectation for people that you know we're we're building cooks and incentivize them by getting them certified, by sending them to programs like La Cocina, should they stay with us a certain amount of time, and really build careers and hopefully have them not just be peeling onions for a year, but right. really understanding why we're peeling the onion mm-hmm. and where the onion comes from and what it means to have it on the plate. It's so important, man. I really do think it's important. I think it's it's really impressive that you're walking the walk as well. Like, it's not right. just serving, you know, lip service to you, like, actually putting it out there. And I think it's cool. And, it, and it, again, gets back to that point that I'm saying, like, these things matter. Yeah. And I think... It's not just a good time. No. But I think also, you know, I think restaurants and chefs are unexpected entry points to have larger conversations about everything from, you know, immigration to sexual harassment issues. In Such a good point. You know, like... Jose going down there, like he is such a great figurehead for so many larger conversations, and he brings such a light on whatever he does. And I think it was fantastic because Puerto Rico clearly needed it. Um, but if you had said like a couple years ago that a celebrity chef that no one really knew at that <laughs> right, point right. outside of D.C. was going to cause this national conversation about what was, what was happening in Puerto Rico, I think most people would have thought that you were crazy. And now, like. Just think of the conversation that we're having because of it and think of the people he's helped. Yeah. And think of the fact that like the, there's lingering interest in Puerto Rico because of that and people are keeping tabs on it in a way that probably they wouldn't have. But even just walking into a restaurant like Amparo or another restaurant where you're putting another cultural experience front and center, like that's just a great place to start a conversation. That's a place to break down a barrier over a glass of something and a plate of something. And I think that it's a small conversation sometimes, but it's an important one. Yeah. I think that's a very, very good point. Mm-hmm. All right, so if y'all want to go, and I highly encourage you to check this out, N-K-O-T-B, the number four, dot eventbrite.com. It's happening at Mess Hall here in Washington, D.C. on Sunday, June 3rd. There are two different options. You could go uh, to the 12 to 2 p.m. or 3 to 5 p.m. And I will Lunch mention, or dinner. Lunch or dinner. And I would Sunday mention Sunday. If, Sunday you're, uh, if you go for the VIP option you get a swag not swag bag that is honestly <laughs> the best bag you will get in town it's a couple hundred dollars worth of awesome eats tickets gift certificates it's really worth it amazing um, and plus you can try these amazing toasters or whatever you're serving I, yeah, whatever you sure, serve yeah. at the thing but <laughs> serve these toasters because these are these are <laughs> these are good man these are awesome all right uh nevin martell al goldberg thank you so much for joining us christian Good luck with the, opening the restaurant. Have so much fun at Mass Hall uh, at uh, New Kitchens on the Block. Uh, keep doing what you do because I think it's awesome. I really do think it's awesome. Thanks and, for having us, man. Yeah, it. of course. Thanks. Anytime. And thank you all so much for checking out the producer podcast here with the Bill Press Show. Uh, we will have more of these coming your way. So thanks for listening.